Well, good morning. Again, man, you have to have a little bit more energy after that intro. That's a, that's a, a much more, you know, there's some, some of you should be up cheering or something. I don't know. You got to have a little, plus it's 11 o'clock. So you've had plenty of time to drink a lot of coffee. If you didn't know this, we have a never-ending supply out there. The coffee genies will make the coffee for you, and you can have as much coffee as you like. But, man, we got to have some energy. We participate here if you're new. My name is Ryan. It's so good to be with you here today as we continue our series going along with our theme for 2022, which is Live Loud. And uh, we're taking this theme from a portion of Scripture in James 1, where it says this. It says, but don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. This idea that we are called not to be just hearers, but we are called to be doers of God's word. And so last week as we kicked off this series, we talked about the importance of, of building our lives on the foundation of God's word. That, that God's word is life, that it's alive and active, that it has the ability to not just be a book that we read, but it's a book that reads us. It has the ability to transform our lives, that everything we need to live a life that honors God is found in his word. But we can't simply read the book, we can't simply hear messages at church, we actually have to do what it says. It's information plus application that leads to transformation in our lives. And so without being doers, we never gain what God wants us to gain from his word. And the truth is, we talked about this last week, we're called to live a bold faith. We're called to live a faith that isn't just going through the motions, isn't just showing up at church and checking that box every week, but a faith that is real, a faith that changes our lives, drastically impacts every area of our lives, but also makes a difference in the lives of every single person that we come into contact with. We're called to live lives of purpose. And so as we continue our series on our theme, as we look at week two here this morning, we're going to be talking about living loud in our calling. What does it look like to follow our calling? How many of you have ever asked yourselves that question? What is my purpose in life? Anybody ever asked that question? You just had one of those kind of deep moments. Maybe you're drinking your coffee in the morning. You're like, what is life's purpose? Like, what, what is the purpose of my life? What is, is God's calling? If you're a follower of Christ, like, that should be a desire of your life. God, what do you want to do with my life? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live my life for you? That's a question that all of us probably ask in one way or, or, or another throughout our lives because all of us want to live a life that has purpose. I don't, I have never met a person that, that you know, I said, hey, wh- you know, what do you, do you want to live a life of purpose? And they go, you know what, no, I just kind of want to live a crappy life. Just want to go through the motions, just kind of exist, and hopefully I die and go to heaven, but I just kind of want to make it through. Most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we want to live a life. We're, we're deeply ingrained with this, this desire to live a life of significance, to want to know that our lives matter, to want to know that we're chasing after God's purposes and we're right in the middle of God's will for our lives. And the good news is this, God wants that for you as well. Like God's desire for you is that you would live a life of significance. God's desire for you is that you wouldn't settle for just a good life, but that you would chase after the the great life that he has come, the Bible says, to give you life, but not just regular life, abundant life, real life, a better life than you can ever hope, dream, or imagine. God's dreams for you, his desires for you, his plans for you are greater than anything you could ever dream or plan for yourself. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at God's word and and see what God's word has to say about calling. And then we're going to look back into the Old Testament at a story that hopefully will encourage you and challenge you as you pursue following your calling in your life. And so if you're taking notes, we're going to jump right in this morning. The first thing we can see in God's word about calling is this, and I want you to understand this. Every follower of Christ has a calling. 
Every follower of Christ has a calling. If you're here and you're a follower of Christ, God has a calling and a purpose and a plan for your life. Ephesians 4.1, the Apostle Paul says it like this. He says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life or to live a life that is worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've been called by God, in other words, if you've been saved, if you've surrendered your heart to Jesus, if he is the Lord and Savior of your life, your life has a purpose. That's why Paul says here, to make sure that you are leading a life, that you are living a life that is worthy of your calling, that lives up to the calling that God has put on your life. We're called to live lives of purpose. Now we've talked about this before, that as followers of Christ, we understand that our our, our, our basic, our, our calling that we all have for our lives is, is that we would be disciples, which means followers of Christ that are growing more and more like Christ every single day, that are b- developing a heart for the things that are, are, are important to God, that we have a passion for the things that are important to God. That's what it means to be a, a disciple, but that we're disciples that, that make disciples, that, that reproduce disciples, so to speak, that we are, are people who wherever we go, we go on mission. We understand that God has called us and, and placed us in this earth to, to be a disciple that makes disciples, that, that tells people about the good news of the gospel. We understand and know that that is our calling as followers of Christ. But what I think is so amazing is that God in his divinity has called us, and not only has he called us, then he has saved us and he has invited us to be a part of this mission. Have you ever thought about that? That when you're a part of the church, when you're a follower of Christ, you are a part of a, of a mission that's been going on for the last 2,000 years once Jesus died and, and rose again and established this church. That you, that you are a part of a mission that will never stop, that will never end until it exactly does what God has called it to do. That, that, that the church and, and Christianity has been tried to be stopped, but it cannot be stopped. And you're a part of something that is so much greater than yourself that when, when you are saved, when God changes your life, he calls you and he invites you to be a part of this, the, this mission. The Bible says that you've been reconciled to God so that you can preach this message of reconciliation so other people can be reconciled to God. That everywhere you go, the Bible says you go as an ambassador for Christ, sharing the message of the gospel. That we are a part of something that is so much greater, so much more significant than just, just ourselves. It's an amazing thing to think about. And the thing I love about the calling that God has, that even though we have this calling, we understand that if you're a follower of Christ, that calling is for you. That, that calling isn't just for pastors, evangelists. That calling is for every single person who's a follower of Christ. But it looks different in every single one of our lives because God has uniquely created us and he's uniquely gifted you. And he's given you certain talents, gifts, and abilities that he wants to use as part of that mission. And so although we are part of this great mission, this great calling, the calling and the way that we live out this calling in our lives is going to look different for every single one of us because we're unique. And God has created us that way. But I have to to say from the very beginning that if you are a follower of Christ, you are called. You have a calling on your life. And and so you cannot go through life going, I have no purpose. I have no meaning. God doesn't care about me. God's done with me. That's not true because God's word says that you have a calling. Number two. Second thing I want us to see about calling is this, that that calling is about who you are before it's about what you do. Calling is about who you are before it's about what you do. You know, many people, they live their lives with this, this fear of missing their calling. Maybe you've experienced this in your life before. You, you, you sometimes can get so paralyzed in fear that you're going to miss your calling, that you're going to, to miss out on what God has for your life, that you, you kind of just don't do anything. It causes you to just kind of just be stuck. 
I've, I've met people before that I'm just, I'm afraid that I'm going to, what happens if I choose the wrong person to marry when I get older? Like, what happens if I, I choose somebody that's not supposed to be the one, and I choose the wrong person, and then I marry the wrong person, and I mess up God's plan for my life? Or what happens if I choose the wrong career, and, and then I, I go down the wrong path, or I go to the wrong college, or I choose whatever? Like, we, we get so paralyzed that we're going to choose the wrong thing because we get so focused on what we do and not as focused on who we are becoming. And this is really, really important because understanding who you are, and even more than that, whose you are, if you're a follower of Christ, who you belong to is much more important than what you do because knowing who you are determines what you do. Like your identity drives your actions. And so when you have confidence in who you are and who you belong to and who God has called you to be, your actions and the way you pursue and what you pursue in life will follow because it's flowing out of not what you do, but whose you are. Like how it says it in 2 Timothy 1.9, it says, For God saved us, and he called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. God saved you, the Bible says, and he called you to live a holy life. We talked about this word before. It means to be set Apart, He has saved you to live a set-apart life. Calling is as much of, or maybe even more, about who you are becoming than it is what you are doing. You know, so many times we focus on the what we're doing, right? We, we get consumed with what do I do? How do I serve? What do I do? And we lose track of the more important thing, which is who am I becoming? Because if we focus on am I becoming who God has called me to be? Am I living a set-apart life? Am I pursuing holiness? If we focus and make our heart's desire to live the life that God has called us to live, then the actions will line up. The actions will follow because they follow our identity. And so when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. Ephesians 2 says it like this in a similar way. It said, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. masterpiece. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a masterpiece. If you're sitting next to your spouse, it's like a pickup line. You're a masterpiece, man. If you're single and you're sitting next to another single pe person, you're welcome, right? Just helps you start your relationship. You're God's masterpiece, the Bible says. It says he has created us anew. He has saved us. He has changed us. He has done this so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. But you understand, the things that we do come from who we are. You see that there? says, look, salvation is not about you. It's not about what you've done. It's not about how you've earned it. It's not because you're good enough. It's not because you, you crossed off all the boxes and you were the A-plus team member and God's like, I want you on my team because you are, you're the best. No, it says salvation is not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus has done for you. And what Jesus has done in your life is a work of art. Some of you, you're a, you're a work of art. Some of you are more a Picasso work of art, but we're a work of art, right? What God has done in your life is a miracle. What God is able to do, how he saved you and changed you, is a miracle. It's a miracle that only God could do in your life. But he did save you so that you could do the things that he's called you to do. But what we do flows from who we are. And I want you to, to understand that because I think in order to live a life of purpose, we need, to, we need to understand who we are. In order to live a life of purpose, we have to... We have to have confidence in who God has called us. We have to have confidence in our, our salvation. We have to have confidence that he has adopted us into his family. We have to understand that, that our salvation is not something we achieve. It's something that we receive. 
I remember having this conversation with my dad years ago when I was in, in school in Texas and I was in ministry training school and I, I knew that God had called me to ministry but I wasn't sure what my next step was. I didn't feel like, like I, I was supposed to be in, in Texas anymore and there was an opportunity for me to come home and, and start interning and working in youth ministry and I, I felt like it was an open door but I didn't want to, to run away from what I was doing in Texas if it wasn't the right thing because I was scared of making a wrong decision. I was afraid that if I, I left there and it was the wrong decision, that I'd have to drive all those 24 hours back to Texas, and I don't want to make that trip multiple times. And so I was like paralyzed with fear. I remember for like a month straight, every single day at lunch, I would skip lunch. I would go into the sanctuary of the church. I would take time to fast and pray, and God, please just direct me. Give me clarity. Give me just a, a, an understanding in my heart what the right decision is to make so I don't make the wrong decision. And I can remember I called my dad, who was a pastor, and I said, Dad, I don't know what to do. I'm I'm struggling, I'm wrestling with this, I just can't make a decision and I, I just feel like I'm just, I'm so afraid to mess up that I won't make any kind of decision at all. And he was like, you're just like your mother. Uh, that was his actual response. But then he gave me good wisdom. He says, what's the worst that could happen? You're giving yourself too much credit. You're, you're acting like you are the sovereign person in your life and that if you make a wrong decision, you're going to completely ruin your life in this moment. He said, listen, are you trying to serve the Lord? Yeah. Do you want to serve God and do what, what God wants you to do? Yes. Okay, then just make a decision in the trust that God is sovereign, that even if you make a mistake in that decision, he's big enough to overcome your mistakes. And so many times we put so much weight on ourselves as if we are the savior of ourselves and as we are sovereign in our own lives. And the truth is, if we are living from our identity, like if we are, are making our heart's desire to be who God has called us to be, if that is your heart's desire, if your, your greatest desire is I just want to live that set apart life because that's what God has called me to. I want to live the life that you've called me to live. I want to be who you've called me to be. I want to chase after what you want me to chase after. If that is your heart's desire, then your actions will follow. And even if you make a wrong decision, God is still sovereign. He's still in charge. And he can use even your mistakes if your heart is in the right place. Number three, the third thing we can see about calling is this. Your calling is bigger than you. Your calling is, is bigger than just you. Think back to when you were a child. For some of you, this is a longer time ago. Uh, so it might be a harder thing to think about. Uh, but think back to when you were a child, maybe in school, or your parents would ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I remember when I was a kid, it was always certain things. Like I knew pretty, pretty early that I, probably when I was 16 or so, that I knew I wanted to be, or I felt like God was calling me to be a pastor. But, but before that, it was probably like, I want to be a cop or a firefighter. Remember, like you would just, you'd pick things like that you knew were going to make a difference in people's lives. You know, I want to be a I want to be uh, the president, right, because I, I think I could do a good job, right? Like I, I want to do, I want to be a, you know, a doctor, a veterinarian, whatever. Like we picked these things that were like, were things that we knew could make a difference in this world. Whether you became that or not when you were young, you probably chose something that was, was geared towards helping people and making a difference. You, you know, the, the day and age that we live in now, things have really changed a little bit and Careers have changed, obviously, and things are different, but, but they, were, they were doing the same study with kids, and you know what the number one answer was that kids gave for, for what they wanted to be when they got older? A YouTuber. I want to be, be a YouTuber. I want to be, be an influencer. I want to be you know, a professional video game streamer. Like, like we've made careers out of living in our parents' basement, um, and, and, and that's been what we chase after. And again, listen. If those are things that you're passionate about and you're a follower of Christ and you say, I want to do this because I feel like this is what God has called me to and I want to use it for his glory, so be it. 
But the problem is for many times we've, we've changed from a, from a generation of people who, who wants to live to serve others and to make a difference to a generation that just wants to serve ourselves. We've changed from a generation that cares about other people to a generation that goes, man, life is just about me. Life is about getting famous. Life is about pursuing what I want first and foremost. And can I tell you, if you're going to be a follower of Christ and you're going to live for Jesus, the, 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 the destiny of your life, the calling of your life, the purpose of your life is so much greater than you. It's so much bigger than just you. And God's calling on your life isn't just about you and your glory. Ultimately, his calling on your life is about his glory and his purposes through you. I love how it says it in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve each other. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. In other words, God has uniquely gifted every single one of you in this room. If you're a follower of Christ, you're gifted. He has given you gifts, talents, and abilities, the Bible says, that are given to you from God. You're, you're, you're not the owner of those things. You're called to be a steward of what God has entrusted you with. And he has given you those gifts. And the purpose of those gifts and the purpose of those talents that he has given you are not really about you at all. It's not about your fame or your glory. Ultimately, he's given you those gifts, talents, and abilities to be a blessing to others, to serve others. And when you use what God has given you and you live for a purpose that is bigger than yourself, you understand that everything you do and say is for God's glory. That's what we live for. The calling that God has for our life is greater than ourselves. And you know, we can look at so many different things that, the, that God's word says about calling. There's so many other things that we could point out. But what I want to do as we transition through this sermon is I want to look at a story in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Judges. We're going to be looking at Judges chapter 6. We're going to look at a story of, a, of the calling of a man named Gideon. How many of you have heard of Gideon in the Old Testament? If you're not familiar with the story, I want to give you a little bit of background just so you kind of understand where we're picking up in this story. Today, So Gideon uh, was alive during a time that, that the people of Israel were living in the promised land. Uh, they, were, they were doing well at times, but what we see throughout the Old Testament and what we see specifically in this time frame that Gideon was, was, uh, was written about is that they were constantly in this vicious cycle. There would be times in their life where, as a nation, they were following God, they were living for God, they were doing the things that God had called them to do, and they were prospering. Uh, they were doing well. God's hand of blessing was on their nation, on their lives. They were, they were not being attacked by other nations. They were experiencing God's blessings. But then they would often turn away from God. They would worship false gods. They would worship idols. They would, they would disobey God. And what would end up happening when they do that is God's hand of blessing would be removed from them. They would be oppressed by different people around them, different nations around them. They would lose battles. They would fall apart. Everything would be messed up in their life. And eventually they would cry out to God. God would send a messenger. They would repent. They would turn back to God. And the cycle just kind of continued over and over and repeat. And so in the book of Judges, we see this continuing over and over. And that's what's happening at this time that Gideon was written about. This time, the people of Israel turned away from God and, and God allowed this people group called the Midianites to show up on the scene, their neighbors around them. And the Midianites were oppressing them as they turned away from God. 
as the Israelites would plant their crops and they would get prepared for harvest. When it was harvest time, the Midianites would surround them, come in from every angle. The Bible says they came like a swarm of locusts and they would just completely take and destroy everything. They would take all the food, they would take the animals, they would destroy what they didn't take and they caused the people of Israel to, to live in complete poverty. They had nothing. They were poor. They were attacked. They had nothing to look forward to because they knew every time they would harvest their crops, the Midianites were going to show up and take everything and they had nothing. So they cried out to God and what does God do? He sends a prophet and this prophet shows up on the scene and he says, this is why you're going through this. It's because you've disobeyed. You've worshiped idols. You've done these things and you need to turn back to God. And in the midst of God Hearing their cries, he sends a message to this man named Gideon, a call to this man named Gideon. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It says this, The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all of the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? And then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites, for I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. If you're taking notes, I want to point out a couple things from this story when it comes to calling. But before we look at those things, I want to just kind of make sure we're on the same page. When, when we read this story, it says the, the angel of the Lord appeared. When you look in the Old Testament, anytime it says the angel, not an angel, but the angel of the Lord, most scholars believe this is what they call a Christophany. This was Christ showing up on the scene. This was not just a normal angel. This was, this was Christ pre-incarnate showing up on the scene to make a call to, to somebody's life. This isn't the only time it happens. It happens multiple times throughout the Old Testament. But this was most likely Jesus showing up on the scene in Gideon's life to to call him. And when he shows up on the scene, he calls him a mighty word. But where does he find Gideon? Gideon is, is threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. Now, I know probably none of us in here do this for a career, so we're like, I don't, I don't understand what's the big deal about that. But just and so we are, we are clear and we're on the same page, this was not the ideal place to do that job. Normally, what they would do when it came to this job, when they came to threshing wheat, they would be on top of a, a hill or a mountaintop. And they would go up there and they would beat the, the wheat and then what would happen is it would separate and they would take this pile of stuff and they would throw it up into the air. They were up on a mountain and so the wind would blow and the lighter stuff, the, ch the chaff, the, the things that were not what you would eat would blow away and the heavier stuff would fall down and you would gather it up. That was the grain that you were able to eat. And so what is Gideon doing? He is threshing wheat but he's doing it in a wine press which was dug down into the ground where there was no wind. It wasn't the ideal location to do this job. It wasn't the right place to do it. But why was he doing it in that situation? Why was he in that wine press? Because he was afraid. 
He was scared. He just wanted some food. He didn't want it to be stolen. And so he was in this wine press, afraid, threshing wheat and not getting enough to eat. And he's in there. And in that situation where he is doing this job in a wine press, the angel of the Lord, Jesus, shows up and he says, mighty warrior, God is with you. If you're taking notes, the first thing I want us to see when it comes to calling is this. God's calling is not based on your qualifications. God's calling for your life is not based on your qualifications. For all intents and purposes, Gideon, he doesn't appear like the right man for the job. He probably didn't feel like the right man for the job. He probably felt a little confused when the angel of the Lord showed up and called him a mighty warrior. He's like, are you sure you're at the right wine press? I don't notice if you know what I'm doing down here, but I'm kind of in hiding. I don't really live like a mighty warrior. I'm not kind of out there being brave. I'm not courageous or any of these things. I think you have the wrong person for the job because God, he doesn't speak to Gideon based on what he is in that moment. He speaks to him based on what he is going to make him. Gideon is not called because he is courageous and this mighty warrior in that moment, but he's going to be made courageous as a result of the call that God has on our life. And maybe you've heard it like this, that, that God doesn't just call the qualified, that he qualifies the called. That God doesn't just call the qualified, he qualifies the called. We see this all throughout scripture. If you just think about some of the stories in the Old Testament, the heroes of the faith, we see this theme over and over again, that they often don't have what it takes. You think about God calling Abraham, telling Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And when he shows up onto the scene to tell Abraham this, Abraham is, and his wife are over 90 years old. They don't have any children. I'd like to be the father of just one nation, God. But you're saying I'm going to be the father of many nations? And he, he shows up on the scene and he speaks into an impossible situation where, where Abraham does not have the, the qualifications to be the father of many nations. And he shows up and he says, yeah, but I'm going to make you. If you trust me and you are obedient to me, it doesn't matter what you lack, I will make you into a father of many nations. We see that over and over and God shows up and he fulfills and does what he says he's going to do. Moses God shows up and meets him at a, a burning bush and says, I want you to, to be the one who delivers my people out of 400 years of slavery. I want you to deliver the people out of Egypt. And what does Moses say? I'm not good at speaking. Like he literally is like, I, I, I don't have the, I'll, I'll, I'll bumble over my words, I'll stutter. Like I don't have the right words to speak. I'm not the right person for the job. I, I don't have what it takes to do what you're calling me to do. I'm not good enough. And what does God say to him? Don't worry about what to say. I'll speak through you. I'll speak for you. I'll give you the words to speak. You just need to go and be obedient. It's not based on what you have. It's based on what I'm going to do through you. King David, think about the calling that he had to be that, the next king of Israel. The, the prophet Samuel shows up to, the fam, to Jesse's family to choose this next king. And he says, listen, God has told me I'm going to anoint a king from your family, so bring out your sons. And he brings out the sons, and Samuel looks at the oldest one. He's broad shoulders, real strong, good-looking, handsome. He looks like a king. He looks like a leader. God, Samuel's like, this is the one. This is the person. This is the next king. God says, that's not the one. That's not the one. So he looks at his, give me the next son. And he goes right down through the list, all through the sons. And none of them are the calling ones. And none of them are the one that looks like the leader. And none of them are the one that next, is supposed to be that next king. And so he goes to Jesse and says, do you have any other sons? Because I know God said to come here, this to this family, but none of these are the right ones. He goes, well, I got one other son. It's kind of the run of the family. He's out, you know, watching over the sheep. He's kind of a shepherd. He's probably playing a harp out there. He's like, kind of like a weakling. I don't know if you really, that's probably not the one. He's like, listen, God told me it's this family. So bring him here. And when he sees him, 
says, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one that's called to be the next king. Why? Because God doesn't always see what other people see. God doesn't see what other people see in us, nor what we see in ourselves. God sees what he sees. God knows what he knows. And his plan and his calling on your life is not based on what you have or don't have. It's not based on what talents you have or what you don't have. It's not based on how much money you have or how much you don't have. It's not based on you at all. His calling on your life is not based on your qualifications. And can I tell you something? When God calls you, there's always going to be two competing voices in your life. There's always going to be that, that first voice, the voice of the enemy. The Bible says he is the great accuser. And that voice is going to constantly remind you of all the reasons why you can't do what God is calling you to do. How many of you have ever experienced that? In your life, God is calling you to do something. And all of a sudden, you hear the voice of what you lack, what you don't have. You hear the voice reminding you of all the times you've failed before, all the mistakes you've made, all of the things that you can't do. You hear that voice of the enemy telling you why you can't do what God is calling you to do. That's Gideon, right? What does he say? I don't, God, like my, my family, my clan is like the least clan. And my family is the least of all the families in the clan. And, and me, I'm the least of all the people in my family. You have the, the wrong person. I'm not from the right background. I don't have what it takes to be who you're calling me to be. And you have the voice of God who speaks and says, it's not about what you have or what you don't have. It's about what I am able to do through you if you would just walk in obedience. And at some point, you're going to have to choose which voice you listen to. You listen to your voice of, of self-doubt. You listen to your, the voice of the enemy who's constantly reminding you of all the reasons you can't do something. Or do you listen to the voice of your heavenly father who has the ability to make appear and to make be done what does not look possible because it's not about you anyway. There's a scripture in, in Ephesians that says it like this. And it's always a scripture that I try to remind myself of. And, and I want you to understand when it comes to your calling in Ephesians 3, it says it like this. It says, God is able to do immeasurably more than anything we can hope, dream, or imagine according to his power that is at work in and through us. That God is able to do immeasurably more, that he can do greater things through your life, the Bible says, than anything that you can hope, dream, or imagine. Not according to your gifts and your talents and how great you are. It's not about you at all. It's according to his power that is at work in and through your lives because God's calling is not based on your qualifications. Number two, second thing we see in this story is this. When it comes to following your calling, you have to choose not to focus so much on the past that you miss what God is calling you to in the present. You have to choose to not focus on the past so much that you miss what God is calling you to do in the present. The angel shows up and says, Gideon, I am with you. I'm going to work through you. I am sending you. You're a mighty warrior. And what does Gideon do? Well, I've heard about you. I've heard about the things that God has done. I've heard about the miracles. But where is God now? I've heard about the things you've done. I've heard about how you delivered us. We've heard all the stories. But now you've abandoned us. And now you've left us here. And you're not working. And you don't care about us anymore, God. And what does God say? Go in the strength you have, for I am sending you. I will be with you. In other words, Gideon was so focused on all the things from behind, all the ways that God had worked in the past, that he was missing what God was telling him to do in that moment. It's almost as if God, the angel of the Lord was saying in that moment, yeah, all those things are true. Those are the ways, but, but now I am calling you, and I'm about to do the same thing that we did back then, the same deliverance that we did back then. I'm about to do that, but now I'm doing it through you. And he was so focused on the wet things that he didn't have. He was so focused on the things behind him that he almost missed what God was trying to do in the present. And I think in, in, in our lives it's so easy at times, isn't it, to get stuck in the past? to focus on the good old days, to focus on the ways that God used to work, to focus on the ways that, man, I wish we could just get back to a time before COVID, 
everything was easier and life. No, like maybe God wants to do something different now. And if all we do is focus on the way we used to do things and how God has moved in the past, we lose sight of what God wants to do in the present. Now, like how the Apostle Paul said it in Philippians 3, 13 through 14, he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. He says, here's my, my life's focus. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. There's so many times that the, the past becomes the, the anchor that holds us back from what God wants to do in the future. We hold on to the past, whether it's the mistakes that we've made and the things that we feel like disqualify us. I made these mistakes, I failed, God can't use me because of what I've done, or, or maybe even the good things that have happened in the past that we just kind of hold on to. I wish we could go back to the, the good old days. I, I remember when God did this in my life, and I wish I could go back to that season again. Or whether it's the past that other people have experienced when we see, man, I've heard stories about your faithfulness, God. But God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God who did those miracles is the same God that wants to work in your life now. And if all you do is focus on what's behind you, you'll miss what God wants to do now. So Gideon had to, to unhinge himself, so to speak, from the past so that he could experience what God was trying to do with him in the present. Again, God was calling Gideon to do something amazing. God was about to do something amazing through his life. He was going to use him to deliver his people. And if you continue to read the story, what do you see happening right after this happens? He tells the angel of the Lord, don't go anywhere. Just stay right here. I want to bring an offering. I want to make you a meal. And so he brings this, this offering and this meal back to this angel. And the angel says, put the, the bread and the meat, put it on the rock, and then pour the broth over top of that. And, and the Bible says after he does that, the, the angel of the Lord puts his staff out and touches the rock with the, stip, the, the tip of his, of his staff. And as he does that, their fire just comes up from the rock and consumes the food. How many of you, if you were in a moment like that and you saw something like that, you'd be like, all right, God, I'm all in. That's enough right there. You just made a bonfire out of nothing. You just touched it with a stick and now it's all gone. Like he, that's what he does in that moment. He's, he bows down before the angel of the Lord, realizing in that moment that this is not just a normal angel or messenger. This is the messenger. This is the one. This is God giving him this message. He builds an altar to God in this moment. But he still hasn't completed what God has called him to do. He still hasn't stepped into that destiny. And so what do we see happening next? We see the angel giving him some further instruction. Before he's ever going to defeat the Midianites, before he ever is going to win that battle, we see these words in Judges chapter 6, verse 25. It says, the night, that very night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, pull down your father's altar to Baal, cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then I want you to build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. I want you to sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. And in their place, there was this new altar that had been built. And on it were the remains of a bull that had been sacrificed. And the people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned it was Gideon, son of Joash. And they said, bring out your son, they demanded. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. And Joash, his father, shouted to the mob and confronted them, Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. But if Baal truly is a god, let him defend himself. 
and destroy the one who broke down the altar. And so from this point on, Gideon was called Jeroboam, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. If you're taking notes, a couple other things I want us to see about calling. The first one that I want us to see, number three, is that calling often starts with obedience in the little things. Calling starts with obedience in the little things. If you continue to read the story, you'll see that God did something amazing through Gideon's life, that he won a great battle where they were greatly outnumbered. And not only were they greatly outnumbered, they started with 30,000 and God dwindled their army down to, to 300. And him and 300 people overtook and won a battle against thousands and thousands, thousands of, of Midianites who were like locusts, right? He won a battle against them and it wasn't in his own strength, it was in God fighting the battle for them. God was going to do something amazing in his, through his life, but before he could fulfill that calling, before he could live in that purpose, he had to start with making things right in his own home. And his father had an altar to Baal. And here's what they did. They didn't just abandon worshiping God. They just kind of added to God. So they would continue to worship the God of Israel, but then they would also add these other gods. We're going to worship Baal. We're going to worship the goddess of fertility, all these other gods. And they would have these other monuments and things, and they would just kind of add gods. And, and, and they, would, they would kind of spread their, their allegiances to all different types of gods, their worship to all different types of gods. And so what does he say to Gideon? He says, listen, you're going to do this great thing, but before you can do this great thing, you need to start and be faithful with this little thing. And I want you to go to your own home, and I want you to take care of the idols and the brokenness in your own home. And what I found to be true, and you've probably experienced this as well, is that calling often starts at home. When it comes to fulfilling the calling that God has for our lives, it often starts at, at home. The greatest place, the greatest ministry, the greatest place that God wants us to walk out our calling is in our own homes first and foremost. And we might have these great desires of all the things that God wants us to do. And we're going to do these things and, and God is going to use us. And God might want to do those things. But before he can do those things, he's got to do the little things in your life. You've got to walk in obedience to the smaller, littler assignments that aren't less important but are, are areas where your obedience is going to be tested. Because in, until you can be trusted with the little things, God can't trust you with the greater things. And so that's Gideon in this situation. You're going to do this great thing. i got a great plan. You're going to, you're going to deliver the, Mid, you're, for the Midianites. You're going to beat them as if they are one person. But before you do that, you need to go take care of the problem at home. What is it that God is calling you to do? What area is God calling you? You may have these great desires, these great plans, but what is the little thing that God is calling you to be obedient to first? Because until you're faithful in that little thing, God cannot use you in a greater way. And then number four, the last thing I want to point out from the story of Gideon is this. When it comes to pursuing your calling, I want to encourage you and challenge you to pursue your calling, even if you have to, to pursue it scared. Following your calling is going to take courage. Living a life of significance is going to take courage. It's going to take you stepping out of your comfort zone at times. It's not going to always be easy. And this is what I love about the story of Gideon. God calls him to do something that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable in this part. All right, I want, you to, I want you to deal with something that's not as it should be at home. I want you to, to take care of an altar that's in your dad's property. I want you to, to kill his bull, and I want you to sacrifice it on the altar, and I want you to cut down the Asherah pole, and I want you to use that wood. I want you to completely destroy the idol worship in your home. And I know Gideon in that time is saying, is there, can we just store it in somebody else's home? Because that's my dad. Can you imagine? Like, you know it's going to cause some trouble. He knows. He knows it's going to cause some issues. He knows it's going to make some issues in his life. He knows it's going to cause him some trouble. And so what does he do? He wants to be obedient. He wants to follow God. But he's still a little bit scared. And so what does he do? He does it scared. He goes in the middle of the night. And he does what God has called him to do. And he's not reprimanded for that. Because sometimes following our calling means we're going to have to follow our calling scared. 
It's not like all, of the time, all the time when it comes to following our calling, we're just going to have complete peace and we're going to say, man, I know that I, like there's going to be times where we're a little bit afraid to do what God has called us to do. There's going to be times where, where the calling that God has placed on our life scares us, where it's bigger than us and we know that we don't have what it takes. We know that if God doesn't show up to do what he says he can do, that we're not going to be able to do it. And there's going to be times in our lives that in order to be obedient to what God is calling us to do, we're going to have to step out of our comfort and step out into our fears and we're going to have to walk in courage. And can I tell you something about courage? Courage is not the absence of fear. Sometimes we go, I'm just going to wait till I'm not afraid anymore. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's choosing to be obedient in the midst of fear. And, and sometimes following our calling, and maybe even a lot of times following our calling, means that we're going to have to step out even when we're afraid, even when we don't have all the answers, even when we, we know that there's a chance that things might not go the way we want. We're going to have to step out into that in order to walk in obedience. And so would you stand with me as we close today? As we close this morning, I, I want to just ask you this. What is it that God is calling you to do this year? Would you just close your eyes for a moment? I want you to just, just take a couple moments to allow God to speak to you right now. Are you being obedient to the calling that he has placed on your life? Are you, are you just kind of settling in? Sometimes we, we just get so comfortable in the status quo. We get comfortable and what things are, how things are going. We get comfortable, we just kind of go through the motions. We go through our days, we wake up and drink our coffee and go to work and come home and just repeat, repeat, repeat. And we settle for less than God's best and we settle for just a life that is ordinary when God has so much more that he wants to do in and through our lives. And so what is it that God is calling you to this year? And are you being obedient to the calling in your life? See, often we think of calling, we think of all these things that we're going to do in the future. But can I tell you, calling is not just about the future. Calling is about your faithfulness and your obedience to God every single day. Following Jesus is not just a, what am I going to do five years from now? Following Jesus is, what am I going to do today to follow Him? How am I going to live my life for God and His glory today? How am I going to walk in obedience and live a life that is worthy of the calling that He has given me? What are you calling me to do and how can I walk in obedience? Maybe you're in here today and you don't even know Jesus yet. And so the first step for you isn't to, to think about all the things that you're gonna do for God. The first step for you is to simply receive for God what you could never achieve on your own. That Jesus did for you what you could never do for yourself. He died in your place for your sins and he promises to give you new life as you surrender your life to him. He promises not to just give you a normal life, but to give you a life of purpose that you don't have to walk through the motions wondering, why do I exist? Because you have a purpose and you have a calling on your life. And God has uniquely created you and he's put you on this earth at this time. And he wants to save your life and he wants to give you an eternal purpose, but he doesn't want you to just go through life and go through the motions. He wants you to have a purpose now and to live it out every single day. And so if you're here today and you do not know Christ and you've never given your life to him, with every head bowed and eyes closed for just in this moment right now, before we move on, if that is you today, and you say, today is the day I need to surrender my life to Christ. I don't wanna leave here the same way I came in here. I wanna respond to that call. I wanna live a life of purpose. I wanna experience that forgiveness for my sins that I could never earn. If that is you today, would you raise your hand? I wanna pray with you before we close today. I'm gonna look around for just a moment. I'm gonna just give us a moment here. This is why we exist. We give opportunity for this every week because we, we believe this is why God has placed us here. 
And maybe you're in here today and you didn't raise your hand, but you are a follower of Christ. But maybe when you hear that verse that we're called to live a life that is worthy of our calling, there's conviction that happens because if you are honest with yourselves and you think about the way you live your life, you, you're not living with that purpose. Maybe you go every single day to a job that you hate, to a boss that you can't stand, and you, and you forget that God has placed you there for a purpose. His word says that we do everything as unto the Lord. That when we work, we work as unto the Lord, knowing that the real boss of our lives is not our boss. The real boss of our lives is Jesus and everything we do, we do for him. Everything we do is a worship to him. Do you understand that if you go with the right mindset, you go with the right heart, you have the right perspective, you understand that everything you do flows from who you are and you do that, then that job goes from just a job and a paycheck to a, a calling understanding that God has placed you there for a purpose and that he's put you there to make a difference in people's lives and to point people to the hope that is only found in Christ. Let's stop living lives that are just going through the motions because God has so much more for us. He can do immeasurably more than all we hope, dream, or imagine according to his power that's at work in us. So Father, today we, we commit our lives to you. God, maybe even now as a sign of surrender as we worship and as we pray, Lord, we just lift our hands to you. God, surrendering our lives to you. God, we thank you for the, the lives that you have given us to live. God, the calling that you have placed on our lives, which is not about us, it's about you. So God, I pray today that you would bring conviction into our lives, any areas where we're just going through the motions, any areas where we are just existing, Lord, would you bring conviction that we would live with purpose. Lord, that we would focus on who you have called us to be more than what you've called us to do because everything we do flows from who we are. So let us rest in our identity in you. Let us rest in the fact that our salvation is a gift from you and not about what we've done. Lord, we pray that we can live our lives in a way that is honoring the calling that you've placed on our lives, God. God, let us be people who live our calling in our homes. Let us be dads and moms that lead our families, God. Let us be people who live our calling everywhere you've placed us. Whether it's in a job we love or a job we can't stand, God, let us realize that you have called us and you have placed us, God, and we are there for your purpose and your glory. And our life is not about us. The world does not revolve around us, God. It's all about you and your glory. So God, help us to live with an eternal significance. Help us to chase after things that have eternal values and not things that are just empty. And God, we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor today. Lord, help us to live a loud faith as we chase after your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.